Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 11. The book of John, chapter 11, beginning at verse 32. We are in this series called Above All. And in this series, we have studied all of the miracles that Jesus did during his earthly ministry. We are doing this because when we see what, we, what he did, we know who he is. So we're getting a revelation of who Jesus is through all the miracles that he did here on earth. And uh, what I did was I inserted a mini series within a bigger series. Uh, And so I took John chapter 11, where Jesus heals Lazarus, and I actually stretched it out to four weeks. Today is going to be number four, and I'm going to be done with the story of Lazarus, okay? And I'm not just done with the story of Lazarus, but we're actually going to put a bow on this series above all today. This is the last installment in our above all series. And next week, we got a brand new series that we are starting. We can't wait to get you all started on that, but let's finish off above all and let's dig into John chapter 11 and let's start at verse 32. It reads as follows. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, watch this, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. That, that, that was his response. So he says, where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then you get to the shortest verse of the Bible, the verse that everybody loves to quote when they say, somebody quote me a verse. Then Jesus wept. Right, come on, how many of you cheated on that in Sunday school growing up? They said, quote a verse, Jesus wept, amen. <laughs> then Jesus wept. Verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some other people said, this man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? Last, por- last portion here. And again, Jesus was deeply troubled. For the next few moments, I wanna talk to you on this thought don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. And if I had to subtopic this sermon, I would call it, hold on to that feeling. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> quoting a journey song for those of you that are catching that bad joke. That's my dad joke. I'm entitled to one dad joke every sermon, but uh, we're going to be in this message called Don't Stop Believing. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have spoken to us in and through your word. We are so grateful, Father, because as we've studied all of these miracles, we realize that truly nothing is impossible for you. And today, Father, I pray that as we close out this series, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Father, I pray that revelation would come to us today, that we would walk out of here with something fresh and new, having never seen before in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Don't stop believing. Have you ever had to live up to someone else's belief or maybe someone else's expectation? I wanna share with you this story and it's a memory that I have from my dad back when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, I decided that I needed to join a sport and it's something that I wanted to do. I didn't do it my first two years. I was just doing music and my final two years, two years of high school, I said, I wanna join a sport. And so 
I was friends with the captain of the wrestling team, and he said, come on, I think you can do a good job. Come out to the wrestling team. And so, so there I go. I, I tried out for the wrestling team. I had no idea how difficult it would be, but I, I, uh, I, I persevered. I stuck with it, and I made the team. So I was pretty excited for it. I said, all right, I made the team. I got this. I got this. And so uh, the first match rolls around, and that's when it gets real. It's one thing to practice. It's another thing to actually have to get out there on a mat, you know, mano y mano. There's no team. There's no 10 other people wearing shoulder pads that can help you. It's just you and another dude out there, and you are trying to pin him, and he's trying to pin you. And so the first match rolls around, and I am so hyped. I mean, I go out there, and I am sloppy. I am just like, no form. It was pure adrenaline, but I won. I pinned the guy. I won my first match. Come on, give it up for your pastor. So proud of that. (laughs) And... uh, I, like I said, it was sloppy, and, and admittedly, we were wrestling against a school that had a subpar wrestling team, you know what I mean? So it was like beating up on the Browns or something, you know? Uh, but, uh, but, you know, we hung in there. We hung in there, and so, you know, I got the W. I was so excited, and the next week rolls around, and we were actually going to wrestle a school that had a legit team. So, you know, it was like serious business. We got to get ready, all right? So we go... Um, we, we, we travel now. The first, the first match was home and the second one's away. So we travel in, we get there, you know, all the adrenaline's pumping and I'm getting ready for my second match. Now, now I think I'm just a wonder, you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, I won my first match. I'm undefeated. Let's go, you know? And so um, the, the ref blows the whistle and I don't even remember what happened after that. All I know is within a few seconds, I was pinned. And I remember thinking, what in the world just happened? He shot in, he took my leg, he did the fire, he did what's called the fireman on me. Next thing, I'm just out, I'm pinned. And I get up and I'm thinking, I am the worst wrestler in the world, you know? And I was just so bummed. Um, and I remember my, my dad, he went to all of my wrestling matches. And so my dad witnessed this, this total failure of a son, if you will. You know, it's like, I'm so sorry dad. My dad's like, hey, don't worry about it. And I remember telling my dad, you know, if I ever get a chance to wrestle this guy, I'm going to take him. I, I just, I just made a mistake. You know, I, I didn't concentrate and, you know, and it was like literally within a few seconds, I was pinned, not feeling good about myself. So anyway, there's tournaments in wrestling. And so there was a weekend tournament and I go to the weekend tournament and it's all by bracket. The key, you keep, you win, you keep on wrestling until eventually there's a championship match and, and I'm winning. And next thing you know, I got to rematch this guy. So I am rematching this guy, and again, my dad's in the stands. And so when I draw this guy, I'm thinking, all right, it's on. It is on. Because I remember I told my dad, if I ever wrestle this guy again, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to get him, dad. I made that commitment to my dad. I'm going to get him. And uh, so sure enough, this guy is who I had to wrestle. I had a little bit of anxiety, a lot of adrenaline, but I knew I was like, you know what? I know I can take him. I know I can take him. And um, so... The reality is, though, he smoked me the first time that I wrestled, and, um, and I knew it. He knew it. My dad knew it, okay? So everyone knew, but like everyone in the stands, that, that this guy had already smoked me once. So I'm so pumped, and I'm, I'm going in there, and I'm thinking, I just got to do this. I'm going to do it for my dad. And so the match starts. You know, we get through the first period. We get through the second period. We get through the third period. It is neck and neck. When the match ends, we're tied. So I'm hanging in there, right? So we're tied. So ref's like, we're going to overtime. I'm like, let's go overtime. So overtime starts and, and we get through an overtime. It's still tied after the first overtime. So now we go to the second overtime and the way they do it in wrestling is um, it's basically one person, they, they kind of flip a coin. If you win the coin toss, you say, hey, do I want top position or the bottom position? If you're at top, the only thing you got to do is not let this guy escape. And if you're in the bottom, all you got to do is escape. That's it. That, that's how they decide the match. And it's 60 seconds. 
So there's going to be a winner one way or the other. So based on the way the match had been going, I'm like, put me on top. I'm going to hold this joker down. I'm going to just I'm gonna do it, you know? And so the ref blows the whistle. It's the second overtime. And listen, pastor got the W. Pastor got the W. Come on. I held him down. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I won, and I remember going, going up into the stands, and I, and I find my dad, and I told my dad, I'm a, I told you, Dad, I knew I could do it. And I believed that this was going to make my dad so proud. I go, I said, Dad, I told you, I knew that I could do it. And my, my dad, he said this to me. He said, Josh, I didn't need to see you win. I just needed to see you do your best. And today you did your best, and I'm so proud of you. And it was a great moment, but also kind of like, you mean I could have lost and you still would have been proud of me? <laughs> you know, I, I thought for sure that I had to get the W to make my dad happy. But, but here's the thing is that my belief in what my dad wanted wasn't actually what he wanted. And so what I believed he wanted really wasn't what he wanted. So we actually had a, 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 a mixed match, if you will. There are, our, our beliefs did not match up. He just wanted to see me do my best. He's like, I just wanted to see you have an opportunity to do your best, your best. Now I just wonder if he thought I wasn't going to win. <laughs> he was just like trying to let you like, man, you actually won. But, but he said, you know, I just wanted to see you do your best. You did your best. I'm so proud of you. But, um, but our beliefs were not in alignment. And the reason I share that story with you all is it's not because I needed to have my ego stroked or anything like that at all. It's really because um, I, I see that in the scriptures too. When our beliefs don't match the beliefs of our father. When what we are holding to doesn't match what our father is holding to our heavenly father. So let's get into the text. When we left off in our story of the raising of Lazarus, Jesus had just shown up to Bethany and he's met with some hostility. Remember, we talked about this last week. Again, we are on the fourth installment of this sermon series. You can go back and listen to it. Message one was divine delays. The second one was run to the roar. Last week, we talked about four days dead and today, don't stop believing. But what we talked about last week was when Jesus finally shows up to Bethany, He's met by hostility. So, so Mary and Martha and the mourners are all there. And they're like, you know, had you been here? You know, there's a little bit of sass in there. Had you just been here? You wouldn't be arriving for a funeral. Maybe you'd be walking in and you'd be able to heal our brother. But it's too late now, Jesus. It's too late. And he's going to rise in the resurrection, but there's no hope for now. So they had faith for the past and faith for the present but they didn't have any faith for the now. They, they didn't believe that Jesus could do anything about this right now. And the biggest issue with all of this is that Jesus has already said, this won't end in death. That was his greatest conflict. It's like, wait a second, I told you that it's not gonna end in death. And when I get here, you're telling me it's too late. So his expectation and their expectations were not in alignment. They're thinking it's too late and there's nothing that you can do. Jesus rolls up and he's like, where's Lazarus? Let's get to work. They're mourning and Jesus comes in full of hope. That's why the Bible says that he had indignation. That's why the Bible says he was angry. He was angry because he's coming in on a high and they're meeting him on a low. But you've got to understand from their perspective, their brother's been dead for four days. And they wanted to believe that it wasn't going to end in death, but he's dead. What do you do with a dead guy? You bury him. So let me ask you that question. What do you do when what you see doesn't match what he, what he said? What do you do when what you see with your eyes doesn't match what you see in your spirit? And that'll happen to us in life where what we think we should be seeing 
isn't what we're seeing. When, when you expected so much more, but you're looking at it and you're thinking, is this it? Is this how it ends? And, and that's really where I want to pick up in our text today because Jesus walks in, they're all upset and, and, and he's upset and he's starting to process now. He's like, well, where is he? And they're like, well, we'll take you to where he's at. But Jesus is processing. How many of you like that word process? That's kind of like a popular word right now. You know, pastor, I just need to process right now. I'm just going to process and feel where I go from there. Some people new to the church. You want to join the dream team? Let me process, pastor. I need to process. See, pray about it. See if God wants me to serve on the dream team. I'm positive God wants you to serve on the dream team. You know, it's one of those things you don't need to pray about. But anyway, Jesus was like, you know what? He's, he's in his feelings. He's upset. As we read just a minute ago, it said that Jesus was moved with indignation and he was deeply troubled. And then when you get to verse 38, it says it again. It says that Jesus again was deeply troubled. And that's when Jesus wept. So Jesus is processing his feelings and he got so frustrated that he began to weep. He didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. We know that because he told his disciples before they even traveled, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. Glad people don't cry. <laughs> the reason Jesus was crying is because he was so frustrated and so upset with what he was witnessing at Lazarus's town. Now, I'm like Jesus because I've had moments where I get so upset that I've cried. Don't judge me, okay? Anyone else got so upset you cry? Like, like you got mad and like your response was crying. You're like, why in the world am I crying? I'm mad, you know, but I'm crying. I don't get it. That's me. I'm an emotional wreck, all right? Um, but, 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 but here's my point. And here's, here, here's what I want you to get. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus wept because they had lost their belief. Jesus wept because they had lost their belief. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus raising Jairus's daughter. You can lose many things in the Christian faith, but you cannot lose your belief, okay? You, you can get emotional and get mad, but you cannot lose your faith. You, you can be afraid and, and have a feeling of fear because something has gripped you, but one thing that you cannot do is lose your belief. You can feel sad, and we all feel sad. It's normal to feel sad, but even in the midst of a very sad situation, you cannot lose your belief. And we see this repeated. Jesus tells them, don't stop believing. Don't give up on your belief. In the middle of everything that we are going through in this COVID season, don't stop believing. And that's the word that I really want to leave with you and drill into you right now is that Jesus got upset because they stopped believing. And here's the crazy thing. Lazarus is kind of like a tool in this story for Jesus to accomplish his purpose with his believers in Bethany. The, the, the passing of Lazarus, because Jesus said, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sake so that you would believe. What was he saying? Lazarus is gonna die, but I'm gonna do it so that you would believe in a greater way than you did before. So there's actually nothing out of the ordinary in this scenario for Jesus, but what troubled Jesus was that even though he told him, he said, look, it's not gonna end in death. When he walked into Bethany, there was no more belief. 
He could sense it in the atmosphere. And when there is no belief, watch this now, when Jesus walks into a room where there is no faith, when Jesus walks into an environment where there is no belief, that is the only way that we can stifle what God can do. We read that in the New Testament where Jesus said he could not perform miracles because of their unbelief. That's why he says you've got to keep believing. And and this is something that I've really processed in my life, especially during everything that we are going through, because I can hear God tell me over and over again, Josh, there's a lot of things that are going to happen over the next six months. You are getting ready to celebrate a big one year birthday party and COVID shuts you down. And, and, and you had to move church into a warehouse and then you had to move out of a warehouse and now you're in a co-work and you've had starts and you've had stops. You've looked at one building, you've looked at two buildings, you've looked at three buildings. There's a lot of things where I, where, where I could be like, God, where are you in all of this? But here's what I can't do. I can't stop believing. I, I can't get to a place where I stop believing in the promises of God. I can't stop believing in the goodness of God. I cannot stop believing in the providence of God. I can be going through hell, but I can't stop believing. That's the one thing God calls me to do. Don't stop believing. And so, because here's, here's what happens when you stop believing. And I want to kind of talk to you about what it looks like when your belief is failing you, because sometimes you could be losing your belief and not even know it. So I want to talk to some of those things. Let me show you some signs of what it looks like when you stop believing. This is the first one that I want you to write down. When you lose belief, you mourn when you should be celebrating. When you start to lose belief, you mourn when you should be celebrating. In the text, Jesus arrives at Lazarus's tomb, and rather than people getting excited because the resurrection has come, they're crying and they're critical. Come on, how many know that critical people are the worst kind of people? I mean, the critical people are the people that make you want to give up on pastoring a church. <laughs> critical people. I can deal with crying people, but Jesus had to deal with cr- crying people and critical people. They were like, come on, this guy could heal the blind, but he couldn't even get here soon enough to raise Lazarus. That's what they said. John put that in the Bible. So Jesus didn't just deal with crying people. He had to deal with critical people. So so what does that look like in our life? When God shows up for someone else, do you celebrate with them or do you wonder why it hasn't happened for you? How do you translate that passage? What do you mean I'm mourning when I should be celebrating? When you see God do for someone else what you wanted to do for you, how's your attitude? Are you celebrating or are you getting bitter? Or are you becoming that critical person? Or are you getting upset with God? Do you get genuine gratitude or are you side-eyeing the goodness of God in someone else's life? Because here's what I've learned in this season. When you see God do it for other people, you want to celebrate. If you can't celebrate when God is doing it for other people, you're starting to lose your belief. You're starting to lose your ability to believe that if God did it for them, he could do it for you. Come on, you got to get excited when God does it for other people because that's just a reminder that if he did the thing for them and that's the thing that you've been praying for, that ought to let you know you're next. He's coming for you. He's hearing your prayer and you're going to have an opportunity as well. But that only happens when you can genuinely celebrate with those people. Not when you're mourning when you should be celebrating. Not when you're being critical because God's blessing other people. You start to lose your belief when you Stop rejoicing when other people are rejoicing. But when you're so full of faith, when you're so full of belief, 
you will stand in the gap and pray for people that God would do the thing in their life that you're needing him to do in your life. Come on, that's a person that believes. That's a person that hasn't lost their faith. That's a person that knows that God is faithful. And if he did it for them, he's going to do it for me. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that. He's faithful. Here's the second thing that I noticed. When you lose belief, you start to normalize your deficiencies. I'll say that again. When you, are, you, you can tell that you're starting to lose your belief when you start to normalize your own shortcomings. You start to normalize what you're lacking. You're starting to normalize your hangups. Watch this now. Martha told Jesus, if I roll back the stone, because Jesus got down to where Lazarus was laid, he said, roll the stone back. And Martha's like, if I roll that stone back, it's going to stink because he's been in there for four days. He's like, dead, dead, Jesus. I mean, if I roll that away, that smell, and that's what was normal. I mean, th- that, I mean, she wasn't lying and she wasn't playing and everything that she was saying is exactly what you should be saying because in a normal situation, if you roll the stone back, that, that's what you get. But how many you know that when Jesus shows up into any situation, it is no longer normal? Come on now, y'all be excited about that. How many you know that when Jesus shows up into any situation, nothing makes sense? Absolutely nothing makes sense when Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up, he can accelerate things in your life. People have been waiting 10 years, but when Jesus shows up into your life, he can do it in one year. When Jesus shows up into your life, he can do things that are completely out of the ordinary. That's why we are studying this whole series on Above All so that we would get this glimpse that God can do for us what he did for them. That God can move in our life the same way that he moved in their life. But here's what happens. When things aren't going our way, we have a tendency to normalize our situations and we start to have negative self-talk. My wife, she's a counselor and she's the best. (laughs) I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. I get a chance to hear her because we're, you know, we're all working at home together and so I can hear my wife and she's counseling people. I'm like, my God, that's good. That was really good. (laughs) Yeah, that's real good. I'm down there like ready to put an offering on it or something, you know, like she's killing it. She talks about this thing, this concept, don't, don't self-talk like that. Don't allow that negative self-talk to happen. Here's what negative self-talk looks like. It's when you start saying, well, this is just the way it is for us. People like us don't get those sort of breaks in life. Maybe I'm not supposed to find love. Maybe I'm not supposed to have that type of success. No one in my family ever experiences that level of success. That's normalizing your deficiency. That is normalizing your deficiency. When you start to normalize what you are not seeing in your life, you'll never see the goodness of God in your life. I'm gonna say that one more time. When you start to normalize what you are not seeing, the things that I don't get to see that, I I, I don't get to experience that, that's not for me, then you will not see the goodness of God in your life. As a pastor of a church, we're a brand new church, we're only a year and a half old and and, you know, you, you hear these stories of what God does for other churches and they're getting blessed and this is happening and this is happening. The last thing I should be doing is saying, well, that never happens for us. That must be a South Bay thing. That don't happen in the North County. <laughs> but I can't allow that self-talk because, listen, when I start talking like that, I won't see the goodness of God in my life. But when I rejoice... When I choose a posture of gratitude, I'll begin to see the goodness of God. Because all throughout my Bible, I read that the people who saw the goodness of God allowed themselves to be in a position 
to receive from God. You see, when gratitude puts you in position to receive, let's say that one more time, gratitude and gratefulness will put you in a position to receive from God. How many of you know sometimes it's all about position? Do you remember the woman who came to Jesus and cried out to him and said, I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus said, I can't heal your daughter because I've only come for the children. You're a dog under the table. And she said, but if I can get underneath the table, I can get the, the crumbs that fall from the children's table. What she was saying is if I can just get in position, I could receive a miracle. And wouldn't you know it, when she postured herself just like that, what happened? God healed her daughter. It's all about the posture first of your heart. When you have that posture of heart, things start to happen. And listen to me, favor follows the faithful. Let's say that again. Favor follows the faithful. Now you could apply that in church. Listen to me, those of you that are watching online, you can apply that at your job too, all right? Some of you wondering, I'll never get promoted. Because you're not ever around. <laughs> time the boss is looking to promote someone, you're out there taking an extended lunch break. You know, you left a little early. You got in a little late. But, but I've noticed that, that you know, when, when, when preparation meets the right timing, that's when the blessings come. But you got to be prepared. And I think the same way it is here, you, you, you've got to stay in the right position in order to see the goodness of God. You, you've got to stay connected to what he's trying to do in your life. What does that look like, practically speaking? Stay connected to Jesus. Come on now. Stay connected to the church. Stay connected in prayer. Stay connected to your teams. Stay connected in your devotion. Don't disconnect from what God is doing, especially in COVID season, especially during this time. This is the time when you have got to be faithful in all things. When you are faithful in all things, you will see God do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Favor will follow you, but you've got to stay in position. The last thing here, when you stop believing, you stop seeing God's hand move in your life. When you stop believing, you stop seeing God's hand move in your life. Because here's what happened. When Jesus finally raised Lazarus from the dead, I didn't read it. You could read it on your own time. But when Jesus finally raised Lazarus from the dead, there were two reactions from the crowd. And for the life of me, I don't even know why there was two. But there was reaction number one. The Bible says many people came to believe in him. And then there was reaction number two. They went to go tell the Pharisees what had happened. They went to go tell on Jesus. Think about that for a second. I can't fathom that. You put this dead man in a tomb. He's in there so long, he stinks. Jesus rolls in, rolls the tomb away. He comes walking out. I mean, this guy is a mummy. And he's like, loose that man, get all those bandages off of him and let him go. I would think the only natural response is to believe in God. Is to be like, you are who you say you are. I don't know much about you, but you the real deal. Like they say, the kid, all the young kids say, you're a real one. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you are a real one, Jesus. But there were some that were like, I'm telling, and they left. I can't get with that. I'm like, why in the world did they go and tell the Pharisees? And, and the Bible goes on to say that they went and told the Pharisees, because if you remember, we talked about this three weeks ago, the last time Jesus was in Judea, they tried to kill him. So they went back to the Pharisees because they were trying to kill him. Watch how this whole scenario plays out. 
You see, when you lose your belief in Christ, when you lose that ability to have faith in him, you stop seeing the goodness of God in your life. And I get it. He's probably not resurrecting an aunt or an uncle in your life, but maybe it's just a door that he opened. Maybe it's just a way that he made. Maybe it's just something that came your way that you might think, oh, how serendipitous. No, 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 it was God. What a lucky break I got. No, that was God. When, when you're connected with him, that's why I say you gotta be connected. When you are connected to him and you see these things start happening, you know that it is God moving in your life. You know that it is God who has not left you. You know that it is God who is for you. You know that it is God who is making a way for you. But if you give up on your belief, you'll never see the hand of God. It's those people that always, it, it's kind of those people that have an Eeyore spirit. Where are all the Winnie the Pooh fans know what I'm talking about? Eeyore, right? Nothing was ever good. Nothing could go his way. And there's too many Christians that I've met like that. It's like, how you doing, brother? Well, pastor, you know, and I'm like, hold on, the coffee's ready, I gotta go. You know, it's like, I never wanna talk to those people. Well, pastor, you know how it is. I'm like, no, I don't know how it is. I, I just don't live like that. I, I've made a decision to keep on seeing the goodness of God. And I made a decision to always be aware that he's moving in my life. Always be aware that he's moving in my life. Just this week, just this week, it happened one more time. I was in a meeting and this meeting that I was in was a potential for a new door to open. The only problem was there was another door that I thought could have potentially been the right door for me. And so I'm in this new meeting, and while I'm in this new meeting, I get this email from someone, and I'm like, trying to not be that 12-year-old kid with a cell phone. You know, I'm like, oh, should I check that email? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's, but that, that's, my old, that's my other door. There's a new door here, but this is the other door. Uh, so when he looked away, I'm like, what does it say? And I looked, and I was like, ah. Oh. And you know what was so crazy? That was an email right at the time that I was in this place telling me that door's closed. Right when I'm there. And I was like, God, you are so good because here I am in this meeting thinking, is it door number one or is it door number two? And God's like, I'm gonna just shut it for you, okay? It's door number two. And that's how good God works. And, and to me, that is seeing the hand of God. That's like, well, fate would have it. No, fate doesn't have it. I was praying, God, I need to know where am I supposed to go? God, I need to know which door is the right door for me. And God's like, I'll just shut that door right in the middle of your meeting. Now put your phone away and pay attention, you know? But, but that's how God works. And I'm coming to a close now. So I want to I wanna put all of this into perspective. I want you to see the big picture and all that's happening here. Because when Jesus said that he was glad that Lazarus was dead for their sakes, here's what he said. He tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sakes. That leads me to believe that in this great big plan of his, watch this now, he was testing their belief. Not just testing their belief. He's trying to get them to grow in their belief. You might be wondering why. Okay, Pastor, just where are you going with this? Okay, let me lay it out for you. John chapter 10. Jesus had to flee from Judea because they were trying to kill him. So he leaves, okay? Then he finds out, they tell him, Mary and Martha call him and said, Lazarus, who you love, is sick. You got to come. Jesus waits till Lazarus is dead in order to come back. And then he tells them, I got to let him die for your sake. 
Jesus shows up on the scene. Stay with me now. Jesus shows up on the scene. Martha said, had you been here? And Jesus is like, I'm here. She's like, yeah, 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 but there's nothing you can do about it now. It's not until the resurrection. And what does Jesus tell Martha? I am the resurrection. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead after he said, I am the resurrection. And the Bible records that many people believe. There was also some people that didn't believe. They went to go tell on Jesus. And here's how John chapter 11 ends. And I need you to see this. Because Jesus knew that the unbelievers went and told the Pharisees about what had happened, Jesus and his disciples left Judea and they went to the wilderness. And that is where he remained until it was the Passover. He left Jerusalem and never came back to Jerusalem until it was the Passover. Well, what's so special about the Passover? The next time he comes to Jerusalem is the last time he comes to Jerusalem because that's the Passover that they crucified Jesus. The reason Lazarus had to die is because Jesus needed to one last time inject faith into Jerusalem. He knew, they didn't know, he knew the last time that I see Mary and Martha, this is it. The next time they see me, they're gonna be killing me and hanging me on a cross. So I gotta do one more drastic miracle to get them to believe in me one more time. And so he goes, I'm in my Bible, go and read it. He hides out in the wilderness because he knows if I ever go back there, they're gonna kill me. So when he came back, and the only reason he came back, he came back to die for you, and for me. This is why you can't stop believing in God. This is why you can't stop believing in his plans. This is why you can't stop believing in his methods. Do you ever get frustrated with the plans of God? Absolutely. Has there been times when I've wondered, God, where are you? Absolutely. Have I ever been so upset when a door closed that I thought it was God? Absolutely. I had a door closed and my wife was like, I thought that was God. So did I. But clearly it wasn't but I have to just keep leaning on and trusting and believing that God is making a way. And all he is saying is, Josh, just don't stop believing. You want to get mad? Get mad. You want to get in your feelings? Get in your feelings. Heck, you don't even want to talk to me for a few days. I can live with that. But what you can't do is ever stop believing in me. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And for those of you that are watching online, my hope today is wherever that you are watching from, that this word would touch you in such a way that you would not abandon your faith. Maybe you're going through a really tough time in your marriage right now and you're starting to question, was this really the guy for me? Listen, don't stop believing and trust the plan of God. Trust the process of God. Trust what he's doing through you. Trust what he's doing for you. Whatever you do, don't ever give up on God. Don't stop believing in his goodness. Don't stop believing in his faithfulness. Don't stop believing in his providence. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much because we know that you are here. We know that you are moving. We know, Lord God, that you are telling us once again to start believing. Believe again. Trust again. Hope again. Father, in this season, a lot of people have started to question their belief. In this season, a lot of people have questioned, where are you? How could all this happen on your watch? And we don't have to have all the answers, but what we can't do is stop believing. 
doesn't have to make sense. But what we can't do is stop believing. So Father, I just pray that you would inject us with fresh belief once again, fresh faith. Let it fall, not only in this room, but to everyone that is watching this. Let, let fresh faith fall over every person right now. Let, let them be encouraged right now. Let, let their head be lifted up right now. Let, let their spirits be lifted up right now. Let their countenance even be lifted up right now, God. Let, let us rise in faith, Lord God, knowing that you are with us. And if you are with us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. Because you are for us, the greater one is on the inside of us. Help us, Father, to persevere, to move ahead, and to trust, Lord God, knowing that you are for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands all over this room right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.